You are now listening to Vibe Selection with Kyra, where you can get the real on today's hot topics. Well, hey, everybody. And I wanted to start off this week's show with discussing some prominent figures of Black History Month. Yes, it is February and it is Black History Month. And I wanted to talk about some important figures who are responsible for our Black history. Now, I wanted to start off by talking about one of the important figures and why we talk about Black history and why we celebrate it. Well, let's get to know who they are. Carter G. Woodson, who is an American historian, author, journalist, and founder of the Association of African American Life and History. He was the trailblazer for Black History Month, but originally Carter G. Woodson set Black history for a week in 1926 and held the second week of February to celebrate Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass's birthdays, calling it Negro History Week that was held in D.C. Carter G. Woodson was the second African-American to receive a Ph.D. in history from Harvard. Carter G. Woodson felt his role played a pivotal part in the use of Black history and culture as a weapon in the struggle for racial uplift. In 1916, Woodson set his sights on D.C. and created the study of Negro life and culture in order to make Black history accessible to every Woodson's goal was for whites to understand that blacks played an important role in creating America and should be treated equal as citizens. And in 1976, Black History Month was created. And did you know that America's first black millionaire was only 12 years old? Yes, that's right. Sarah Rector Born March 3rd, 1902, on Indian Territory. Her parents were owned by Creek Nations before the Civil War. Over time, Sarah, along with 600 other Black children, were entitled to land allotments as enslaved children belonging to the Creek Nation. However, those allotments proved to be worthless, and soon Sarah's father could no longer afford the $30 annual property tax. Sarah's father soon leased the land to Standard Oil Company, B.B. Jones, that brought in an income of $300 a day. By 18, Sarah and her family left Tuskegee to Kansas City, Missouri, and was a millionaire by then, owning stocks, bonds, boarding house, and a bakery called Busy Bee Cafe in Muskogee, Oklahoma, and 2,000 acres of land in Prime Riverfield Bottomland. And that is your Black History for the Week. Well, welcome everybody and happy Black History Month. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Vibe Selection. I am your host, Kyra. And today I have joining me life coach Megan Colleen Johnson. Megan is also a creative consultant, space holder, and is a trained life coach with Beautiful You Coaching Academy. She also hosts her own podcast called The Reclamation Podcast and has eight years experience in creative marketing consultancy. Today, I have Megan on with me to discuss how life coaching on a spiritual level can help you reclaim your own power. So before that, I kind of want to talk about why this topic is so important to me. So I will start off by saying over the last five years or so, I've had to, you know, reclaim my own powers that I have lost over time based on, you know, situations from my childhood that I had to figure out. And by incorporating spirituality, I have been able to heal old wounds and new wounds for the long term. And I feel like spirituality is especially important when it comes to life coaching, because 
you're able to look within yourself and tap into your unconscious for the answers. And Megan, I kind of want to ask you one of the similar questions, and that is, what connection to spirituality do you feel like you hold and how do you incorporate that when it comes to life coaching? Mm, yeah, I love that. That's such a great question. Um, so first off, thanks for having me. Thank Absolutely. you so much. This is so, so fun and I'm excited for what we're going to get into. So Absolutely. yeah, so what the connection that I have spiritually. So I feel like recently I have just had a deep connection. I, my word of the year I chose this year is Gaia. So that's the word of the year I chose because I feel like much of my growing up years, I was connected in the the Christian sphere of things. And I knew God as a father in a masculine figure, right? Mm-hmm. And I've done a lot of reclaiming of my own spiritual journey and realized and really just felt like I needed to also connect with the more feminine and the motherly aspects of, of God. And so I've chosen Gaia as my word of the year and the practices that I've been having is just kind of writing letters to Gaia in the same way that people just journal kind of throughout their day. I've always loved to just journaling through to the universe, to God, to whatever kind of spiritual being you connect with. Um, And so I've been journaling to Gaia and it's just a really beautiful practice for me to come into touch also with my intuition. Um, It was really beautiful. I was actually in a conversation with a friend earlier this week and she it, she shared like her, her understanding of the universe of God is our intuition is also part of that. Like the divine is within us. Mm-hmm. And we, when we connect to our intuition, we're also connecting to God. When we're connecting to God, when we're connecting to the universe, when we're connecting to the earth, we're also connecting to our intuition. And so for me, just that practice of daily journaling is really beautiful. Um, as well as I love candles and I love crystals and things like that. Just tools that allow me to come back into my body. I think that's a big thing for me is earth and grounding. I'm very, very connected in those spaces and water. I do love swimming. Swimming is great, but right now it's very cold where I am. So there's not (laughs) a lot of swimming happening. So yeah. yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. So I kind of want to backpedal a little bit and I want to start from the beginning. So to understand how you've come to where you are today, you always have to start from where you started off. So tell me a little bit about your background and where you're from. Absolutely. So where I'm from, I love that question. Not that many people ask me that actually. Where I'm from (laughs) is I'm actually from the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. So not the mitten part, but the part above that. Um, And I'm from the middle of nowhere, grew up in the woods um, on lots of land, not that many people around, very small, very, very small town. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in a very conservative Christian environment. Um, I was homeschooled all the way through high school. And so I was very like, I think that that honestly infused me with the spiritual connection that I have because I was around nature so much. That's really where I found a lot of my spiritual connection without even the church. Like the church is where I learned a lot of rules and a lot of, um, like the biblical teachings, but I really developed my own spirituality outside of that um, without even realizing it at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I grew up in the evangelical Christian church, 
went to uh, an evangelical Christian college. And after that time period, that's really where I started to the incongruencies that I was experiencing in my life just kind of started to unravel. I just like pieces of my life and belief system that felt incongruent most of my life just got to, it reached ahead. I could no longer you know, live with that incongruency. And so um, that's kind of where I started reclaiming my spirituality, peeling back some of the layers of, you know, how the church puts forth different rules and beliefs, um, started learning. I read the book, Mary Magdalene Revealed, which is so good. I know I listened oh, to wow. an episode of your podcast before this and and the one of the people talking had mentioned like Mary Magdalene's gospel and, you know, got into all of those different pieces, got to see what spirituality could be outside of the small box that I'd grown up with. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, that's really what led me to where I am today. And I'm sure it will continue to grow and develop. And like, I feel like I'm at the just at the beginning, honestly, of a lot of my like woo woo nature, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like there's so much more that I get to lean into now. And then I get to explore and then I get to see in other people. It's so beautiful to recognize and to see the different levels of spirituality. Now, like the whole world, when we look across the world, there are so many different ways people connect to their spirituality and how they connect to the earth and how they connect to mother nature. Um, so I'm really excited just to continue that journey for the rest of my life, really. But yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So I do have to ask you this question. Now, I know you talked about how, you know, you kind of grew up in a really religious background and that mm-hmm. you kind of found your own way when it came to spirituality. But do you feel like, religion and spirituality go hand in hand or do you feel like there's a difference because a lot of people feel like when you dabble in if you don't believe in religion then you can't believe in spirituality but people Mm. also need to understand how even if you don't believe in religion as opposed to like Christianity Catholicism or whatever it is that doesn't mean that you can't find a purpose within spirituality that is greater than religion so do you feel like in that context that spirituality goes above and beyond religion or do you feel like they're all correlated as the same thing oh that's a good question Mm -hmm. hmm Honestly, the first thing that came up for me was religion to me feels like a social construct. Mm. Um, I think we're all, we all have this spiritual nature inside of us and we all have an intuition that has guided us, but really it's, I think it's all of those layers of um, capitalism, of patriarchy, of white supremacy that has created these religious structures to create hierarchy, to to put rules and regulations around something that was never meant to have all of these rules and regulations. Um, That's my my personal belief. And that's what came up for me when you were sharing that question. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, yeah, I, I feel like the most free people and the most deeply spiritual people actually live more loosely with their spirituality than within the religious. I think you can be religious and spiritual, but I don't think you have to be um, religious in order to be spiritual. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
I would totally agree with that assumption because, you know, when I started to get into spirituality a lot more, a lot of people were kind of, I got a lot of back push about it. Oh, so you don't mm. believe in God anymore. Oh, you don't believe in Jesus Christ. And it's like, no, you know, I definitely yeah. believe in all of those things and they're not disconnected from each other. But a lot of people feel like if you don't stand for religion specifically, then you stand for nothing. And mm. there's so many people that go through life and they're disconnected with the divine, the divinity, because they're not able to take more of a spiritual approach and realize that, you know, spirituality goes beyond organized religion. So yeah. that's something that I definitely kind of wanted to dive in to see your idea on that, which is great. So I also wanted to get into uh, how you talk a lot about reclamation. And mm -hmm. I know that one of the things that have come up for you was uh, reclamation queen. So what exactly is a reclamation queen? Yes. Oh my goodness. So good. <laughs> so to me, a reclamation queen and queen is really just what I have chosen, but really, you know, you can choose whatever you want to fill that in with. Um, it's just being like a sovereign reclaimer. So taking ownership of your own power and reclaiming the aspects of your life that you, that you desire to. So a, a reclamation queen is just that. It's someone who has chosen to reclaim and to reinvent the parts of their life that are not feeling good. They're taking ownership of their own journey instead of passively allowing life to happen to them. Um, so many of us, we get caught in the cycles of what our culture has pushed forth for us. It's there's so many narratives, there's so many beliefs, there's so many co social constructs. And we, it's so easy to just kind of go with the flow and let people dictate to us what we're supposed to do and who we're supposed to be. And so to me, a reclamation queen is just someone who has chosen to say, actually, I'm going to learn to reclaim myself I'm going to get to know myself and I'm going to take ownership of the power that I have, which the power that I have is I have power over myself. Um, I can't control a lot of things outside of me. And that's where I think um, so much of the work that I do is really just teaching people to co-create their life instead of, you know, that passive sitting back and letting life happen to you. Um, and it is, it's a, it's a dance with the universe. We can't control everything, but we can control ourselves. And that's, that's kind of a simple explanation of what a reclamation queen is. And, and I don't think it's a, it's something that um, ever really stops. It's a journey. Like we get to continually find things that we get to reclaim. There's different words that we may want to reclaim for ourselves. Even the word God, like there was a season when I did not feel comfortable using the word God because I needed some time to heal from, from understandings of who God was. But as I reclaimed the word God, as I um, developed a new relationship with God, I, I could use the word again. And, and like right now I am primarily using Gaia as my kind of guide, but I think anyone on their journey, there's so many opportunities to reclaim words that maybe meant something different in the past or that were used against you or, you know, whatever. And we can reclaim that we can take our power back and write a new story for ourselves. And that's really what it's all about. Absolutely. And that brings me on to my next theme here, which is balance. And by reclaiming yourself, you're able to put balance back within your life, mm. the balance that you've ultimately lost for yourself. 
And we oftentimes don't realize how other people can get us off of balance, whether it's a toxic relationship, whether it's a toxic friendship, whether it's dealing with energetic vampires, as I like to call them, because Mm -hmm, I've definitely mm -hmm. had my fair share of energetic vampires. Totally. Learning how to create boundaries for yourself and energetic boundaries for yourself and for others. So that way you can create balance for yourself and not get, you know, distracted by whatever else is going on with that other person and taking on whatever issues that they face within yourself, you know? So Mm -hmm. for me, I wanted to ask you, have you ever experienced dealing with energetic vampires in your life and having issues with creating boundaries and have some of the people that you've worked with had those same issues and how could they kind of get back on track and create that balance in their life? Yeah, absolutely. So really what got me into life coaching was an experience with, um, what I would call an energy vampire. Um, she didn't begin that way, um, but kind of it ultimately kind of became that type of relationship. And oh, energetic mm-hmm. vampires, gosh, they are a handful. Oh, yes, honey, <laughs> tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So for me, my journey with that was really, first of all, being able to name it was so huge for me. Just being able to say, there's for me, it was a situation as well, where there was some gaslighting involved. And so I had to be able to say, this is what's happening to me. I'm not crazy for feeling this way. And it's okay for me to say no. Mm-hmm. It's okay for me to, you know, if something is, is pushed on me as like, oh, you're behaving this way and it's making everyone uncomfortable. Even like I, I was able to say, actually, that's not true. Thank you for sharing your perspective and leave it at that. And that's okay. And that was, oof, that was so scary. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Sometimes those simple conversations can be terrifying when, when maybe you've, you've stayed in a small box for a long time and you've been taught that in order to be a quote unquote good person or a good woman, um, you are supposed to be kind of small. You're supposed to be kind of meek and you're supposed to be nice and mm. say, I'm sorry a lot, you know? And so being able to say, no, well, thank you for sharing your perspective. Mm-hmm. That's it. Thank you for sharing your perspective. Mm-hmm. Cut <laughs> um, dry. It's huge. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, my experience with energy vampires has just really, like you had mentioned, um, a lot of boundary setting, a lot of learning where it may be appropriate to set walls even, um, and then be able to step into boundaries and being able to have kind of flexible boundaries and understanding, okay, you know, this is my bubble. And when you engage with my bubble, this is what I ask of you and, you know, different things like that. It's just a lot of learning daily consent and what I feel good with and what I don't feel good with. Um, and that's a lot of what I, I do work with my clients on. Um, and one of the big things that I I work with my clients on as well, is kind of that energetic boundaries piece. Um, a lot of people, there are different places we've learned external boundaries and there's a lot of resources, I think, on external boundaries, but there's less readily available, um, in my experience, on energetic boundaries, on unhooking from the perceptions of others. And like so many of my clients, it's a, a fear of what other people think of you and unhooking from that because that's that's an energetic boundary that's been crossed. Um, and you're you're letting in the perceptions of others when that's not, not yours to hold. Um, so 
Yeah. Did you want like a practical tip around that or, or just to kind of speak to that? Yeah. I mean, what you said is perfectly fine, but if you want to dive in a little further, you know, go right ahead. But what you said was yeah. great. Yeah. I mean, I can definitely share, um, for me, one of the biggest tips with that is kind of this unhooking practice that I learned from my coach, uh, Madison Morgan, where I lo- she she just really taught me like you can sit by yourself and unhook. In other places, it's called decording um, or mm. cord cutting, and and I personally found it the most helpful to sit and envision all of these fish hooks into my torso. Mm -hmm. And that was all of the perceptions of others. Those were all of the stories that I would heard about myself. Those were all of the names I was calling myself, even just my own, being my own energy vampire for myself Mm -hmm. Um, and all of those different things or products. um, You know, we're also taught from, from media and from marketers that we're not good enough because of this and because of that. And so all of those stories, I just envisioned them as fish hooks and Mm -hmm. I would sit in silence and I would unhook each one Mm -hmm. and just hand it back say, this is not serving me anymore. I give it back. And that's like, that was huge for me, especially in the beginning. I still do it because we all have those things that come up on a regular basis, but having those simple tools can be so beneficial to come back home to your own energy. Um, when I'm on calls like this and when I'm on client calls, I also love to have um, just a specific crystal or a stone that I often hold in my hands. Today, I have my black tourmaline uh, little rock and I've got it in my hands here. And that to me, it's just um, just kind of that protection, just like holding me in my energy and allowing other people to be in theirs. And it really just gives me a space for presence. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so that's a little bit about that. That's awesome. So it's great that you brought up the topic of cord cutting because I've had to do my own share of cord cutting too. But the biggest thing that I do want people and all the listeners to realize is that even though you can do cord cutting, you have to make a conscious decision. You have to consciously make an effort to not Mm -hmm. allow the cord to grow back. So if you're trying to cut yourself off for someone who you know is toxic or is no good for, you know, you energetically, then Mm -hmm. you have to do things for your own self and use the tools that you kind of brought up to allow yourself to keep the cord away, like to keep the cord cut. So Mm -hmm. I think that's really, I think that that is definitely something that is very powerful and very useful for people to, you know, dive into that. So yeah. And it's, it is, it's that balance of you, you, you can do the internal energetic boundary setting and and it's a both. And you have to hold both. You do the energetic piece and then you also do the external boundary setting um, because they can't live really without one another. It's, it's a dual relationship just with your boundaries. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, I do. I was listening to one of the episodes that you were on, the most recent one, and I heard that as a creative consulting for marketing, one of the pivotal points for you was seeing the partnership that you were in as being a very manipulative situation and realizing that through a lot of your life, through experiences throughout your life, you've been manipulated. So what are some things that you've experienced and what are some steps that you took in order to heal those past wounds in that partnership in in order to lead you to want to become a life coach? Yeah. Oh, that's a deep question. That's really good. So Mm -hmm. for me personally, um, it was definitely a pattern. Um, And honestly, 
the manipulative patterns I think that can come up in our lives are often due to boundaries. Um, for me, I had manipulation present even in my early childhood and developing years. So it was something that I, at that time, was unable to set boundaries, much less did I know about boundaries. Um, mm. So it was really a pattern that started at a very young age. And then because I had not learned and was not taught um, a lot of you know, self-help or self-development tools, even just to be a, a solid human, that pattern continued. Um, because again, I didn't know boundaries. I didn't know what it looked like to be in right relationship. I didn't know what healthy intimacy looked like with friendships. Um, I'm extremely, extremely lucky to have found a wonderful partner. Um, and we really, I don't, that was just a complete like manifestation because I can't believe that. Like considering the other patterns I've had, I have a wonderful partner, um, mm. life partner, but yeah. So in that business partnership, um, one of the biggest things really was just the learning that boundary setting and learning that no matter what was said about me or what was insinuated about me, um, I was okay. Mm. And having to come back to that, um, especially because at that time period, I was also kind of deconstructing my faith and recognizing that different faith communities I'd been part of were not really safe for me. Um, and so there was a lot of a lot of me just really trying to find safety in myself because I didn't know who to trust outside of me. Um, I still like I had my my life partner with me and I had my life coach. But outside of that, it was really confusing to understand who was for me and who was against me. And that's definitely a um, I think it's a symptom of manipulation and of gaslighting. There's just a lot of not really knowing a lot of things and not hearing your own voice and um, feeling kind of lost and overwhelmed. And that's really where I was at. But just those small practices of unhooking, mm -hmm. of recognizing, you know what, it's okay if I don't communicate to these people because they don't feel safe for me. They can think whatever they want mm -hmm. and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And I am safe with myself. I am good with myself um, and slowly building that self-trust muscle very slowly. And it's, that's where you had mentioned kind of that healing process. And for me, it really was, it was just allowing myself permission to heal, mm -hmm. giving myself as much space as I needed, um, really trusting the, the two people in my life at that point that I could trust. Um, and I was really blessed as well. I had a, an old best friend who was also really helpful because sometimes you just need to like rant a little bit. And, mm -hmm. and those people are really good to have too. Again, where you can kind of call out what has happened to you as you're healing. Mm -hmm. um, and trying to think of like other things because you had asked like, what did I do to heal during those times? And so much of it, it was time. It was developing self-trust. Mm -hmm. setting boundaries, like those, those practical things that can sometimes get so ripped apart mm -hmm. when you're in a situation that's unhealthy, when you're in any type of toxic space, um, you forget who you are. You forget, um, that you can trust yourself and your intuition. Mm -hmm. So, so much of, um, the two years after that experience, it was just developing self-trust and, 
as I did that, that's kind of also what led me to life coaching was I realized one of my favorite parts of um, running my own business, of doing design, of when I was doing marketing, that my, my the through line for me was really helping people shine, mm-hmm. helping people do what they were good at. And that led me to life coaching because it was great. And my life coach was a miracle worker. (laughs) Um, Just the support. I think sometimes we just need that little bit of support, that person Mm -hmm. that's there for us and that can listen to all of our messy thought processes Mm -hmm. and who can mirror back our goodness and say, you are still worthy. Mm -hmm. You are good enough. Absolutely. And that's, we, yeah, we just need that so much. So that's kind of, that's that. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And you know what? I feel like there also are a lot of stigmas when it comes to life coaches, because Hmm. so many people that are self-proclaimed life coach gurus and so on and so forth. But there's not a lot of people that are able to really help people to grow, to look internally within themselves in order to do the work, to find balance and growth within their lives, to figure out the past traumas that they may have had that are stifling them in their adult life, you know, that may Mm -hmm. have translated from childhood. So the greatest thing about life coaches, though, and people in general, is that we're all going through life. And that's something mm-hmm. that I really want to make a point in. You're a life coach, not because you've gone through life, because you're still here, you're still in human form mm-hmm. and you're still kicking mm-hmm. and breathing, right? But it's yes. you're going through life and you're experiencing things on a personal level, but you're also able to experience things from the outward side, meaning that you're able to take from people that you may know, maybe friends, family members, whoever it might be in their situations that may have been stifling them throughout the life and internalize that to be able to apply it when dealing with other people and their experiences. So in what ways do you take your own experiences and experience for experiences from other people that you deal with or you have seen in your life to apply it to life coaching? Mm, That's a good question. So I think in some ways, so I did life coach training through Beautiful You Coaching Academy, and I'm also currently doing an additional kind of education piece. I think, you know, life is, we're always learning new things, and I think it's so important to continue learning. But I guess um, what comes to mind for me with this is the first thing I want to say is I think to be a life coach, you don't have to have a lot of experiences, actually. It's mostly learning how to listen really well and how to ask really good questions and to build out that toolkit. So you don't have to have all of the experiences. The main thing is, can you listen to someone with complete presence and be able to hear the things underneath that and be able to ask questions to help them come up with their own answers? So with that in mind, like I definitely utilize my experience to empathize with people deeply, to, um, my education for my own healing process. I've had to learn so many things about boundaries, about right relationship, about, um, those are just the two that are coming to mind about congruence and integrity and values and all of those pieces, my emotions and and how emotions play a part in our human experience and the importance of naming them. Um, And so those things definitely play a part when I'm able to have tools to support my clients. Um, And then also the more clients that I have and the more um, 
experiences that I listen to, the more I'm able to, to recognize patterns in people's experience and be able to support new people that I notice with, with similar things, with, with tools that have helped other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely I, I come back to that framework of listening, I think is the most important thing that I, um, seek to develop when it comes to being a life coach. Um, because that's, that's one of, that's just the, that's the foundation I think is just listening and being able to hear what people are saying and be able to hear, um, the different nuances within mm-hmm. people's conversation. And I know you said that as a life coach, you really try to take the role in having people look within themselves in order to find the answers that they hold in their subconscious. But have you ever come across someone who is struggling to do the inner work in order to reclaim their power and their voice or the obstacles that they face in their life? Oh, we all do. I think we all do. Um, Definitely. I... Most people that I work with who have never worked with a life coach um, come to it from a place of I'm, I've never really done something like this. And it's a lot of just helping them to learn to hear themselves. So what, how do I feel? What do I need? How can I meet my needs today? Um, just listening to their small cues that their body provides so that they can connect and so that they can start searching within Um But I think we all struggle with this to a certain degree because there are so many external stimulants that we have. So kind of coming back to that place. And that's why so many people are into meditation and and grounding because we all need it. Um, And so when we start to ask those questions of ourselves, the more present we can learn to become with ourselves, the more um, I think the more we can start to unravel those, those pieces and reclaim the pieces of ourselves that are just waiting to be uncovered. So that's my personal answer to that anyways. Mm-hmm. So I want to get on to the theme of trauma. Now, one of the biggest concepts that come to me spiritually that I've experienced when dealing with other people is that there's a lot of trauma that they've faced from their childhood that they've carried on to their adult life, whether it is self-limiting beliefs by a parent who is maybe verbally abusive, physically abusive, having an absentee parent, someone that is suffering from depression or anxiety. And I'm pretty sure there are also people that are listening right now that may experience some of these same traumas in their life. So when what are some ways that others who are experiencing these issues can reclaim their own sense of power due to traumas on a spiritual level? Hmm. Yeah. So the first thing that I definitely have to say is as a life coach, I'm not trained to support people through trauma. So that's, that feels like the very first thing I can share from my personal experience, what I recommend, but it's, this is definitely not in a professional capacity. Um, in my personal experience, when moving through spiritual trauma specifically, the the key thing that I would recommend is making sure you have a support system. Mm -hmm. Um, I know for me when working through spiritual trauma, there was so much uncertainty in the people that I could trust, like what I'd been sharing earlier. And so I really needed to make sure that I had a support team that I could count on, that I could take my fears and my grievances to and not have to fear their judgment. Um, Because when we're asking spiritual questions, when we're dealing with spiritual trauma, people get pretty uh, fiery about it. Um, And 
making sure you could have that support system is so important. And that would be where I would include having a, a trauma therapist support you. Um, I had a life coach and I needed to get some therapy support. Um, there's, I think there's a lot of pieces. That's where I think it's a support system. There's not really one piece. I also had a chiropractor because there were a lot of bodily things that were happening to me. It was my trauma coming through in my body. <laughs> so I think um, my recommendation there is just notice what your unique support system needs to be. Um, do a little bit of research on the people in your area that could support you. Right now, almost everything you can do online as well. So find the people that you want. Some Sometimes, especially on the spiritual realm, um, maybe like a Reiki practitioner would be supportive for you. Finding, you know, an acupuncturist as well. Like there are so many people, but I would just say, find the support system that you need. Um, yeah, that would be my response to that. Now I brought up trauma because a lot of people, you know, think that being a life coach, that you're, you're, since you're doing the inner workings, a lot of these issues come up, trauma, mental health, a lot of different things start to come up. So that's interesting that you said those are other options and other tools in order for people to work through those issues. But I'm sure that there are still people that come to you with, you know, those experiences. So this leads me to, you know, talking about us being in the pandemic right now. You have Mm -hmm. so many people, you have everybody that's dealing with this pandemic. You know, it doesn't seem like things are really getting better. And there's a lot of mental health issues that are starting to come up from it, whether it's depression, uh, whether it's people having mental breakdowns, because there's a lot of people that aren't able to go within the outside and talk to other people. All you have really Mm -hmm. is yourself in these moments. And I will say that, you know, according to the Mental Health of America, it's saying that over 178,000 people have reported frequent suicidal ideations and 37% people reported suicidal thoughts since COVID Mm -hmm. started, which is very alarming. But it also makes people figure out, okay, with dealing with all of this that's going on right now, it helps them to be able to try to look within themselves and assess what's going on in their inner workings. So I bring that back to life coaching and what you do is because you take the spiritual approach and you have people to be able to look within themselves to deal with that. So what are some things that you would recommend to someone who may be in a situation where they have no one to talk to, they may be a little reluctant to go to a life coach. What are some things that you would do to assess the situation where someone's dealing with a mental breakdown and how, what are the spiritual tools that you feel like can help them? Because I believe that they're experiencing Mm -hmm. a breakdown, especially in these situations, but what do you recommend? Yeah. So I definitely, when you use the term breakdown, um, I feel like that is definitely a, a symptom of really needing to to reach out for some support. And that's definitely, if you're experiencing something that is as intense as a breakdown, I would recommend seeking some therapy. Um, and I say that in like the most loving and the most compassionate and like the I'm here with you type of way, because we all, I, I think um, therapy is just one of the most beneficial things that we, we can do for ourselves. Giving ourselves permission to ask for help is one of the best things we can do. Um, and if you're just feeling, if you're feeling down, if you're feeling like right now I'm in an area that's covered in snow, so I'm not able to go outside and get a lot of the fresh air that I want. And I feel that seasonal depression, it's real. Um, And so 
in those moments when you're feeling down, I do, again, I, I recommend if you're feeling like really down, reach out for help from a therapist, reach out. You can feel free to message me and I can send people your way that might be able to help you. Um, if you're in a place where you're like, I can still see hope and I can still like feel that I want to move towards better things for myself. That's where maybe a life coach would be a great option for you where I help people work towards specific goals. We set goals for ourselves that can be like, I just want to, to feel happy every day. I want to wake up feeling alive every day. Um, a life coach may be a great option for you, or I want to feel creative every day or do something creative every day. Um, if that lights you up, then that's a sign to me that maybe life coaching would be good for you. If it's hard to sense hope, I'd say therapy would definitely be a great option. And I, I want to emphasize that because again, I think, especially when you mentioned those statistics, it's so important to get the right support system around you so that you can thrive because your, your magic is so important in the world. Your message is so important in the world. And even if you can't see it right now, you have so much to offer. And so, yeah, notice if you, if there's a spark of hope, um, there are also a lot of resources out there like, um, I have a, a free journal guide and a meditation on my website. And nowadays there are so many free things that you can access. So if you don't feel comfortable talking to someone just yet, go and see what free things you can find. There's a lot. There are so many yoga things on YouTube. There's meditations. Um, one of my favorite meditation apps is um, One Giant Mind. And that's like a Vedic meditation. It just really calms me down. And I love that. Um, but yeah, keep asking yourself, like, what do I need today? And see what comes up. Mm -hmm. See if you're like, I need community today. Okay, how can you find community today? What is, who's one person that you can reach out to to help fill that need? I actually just need a glass of water right now. Go get yourself a glass of water. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, just those simple things. Um, yeah, how does that land with you? That's great. So- I want to go back to a little uh, bit earlier when we were speaking and discussing about how, you know, you felt manipulated in your partnership and how it was things, you know, brought up in your childhood where you were manipulated that kind of translated into the workplace that you were working in at the time. But one of the themes that I kind of want to go into is fear. Now, mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that have experienced fear. I know I've experienced fear. I know that it's something that is within the human psyche that is literally ingrained in there where we all have those moments of fear, fear of rejection, fear of, you know, getting into a new career path. And with COVID, there's so many people who are displaced when it comes to the workplace and had to find other career opportunities in order to make money. And that can be very, you know, it can be very challenging for a lot of people. So, in doing in having fear, sometimes you stifle not only your growth, but your voice. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I've stifled throughout my years in my life is stifling my own voice, being fearful of what other people think. And I think the human ego is so wrapped in, you know, us caring what other the, the perception that others have of us or what their reaction is going to be if we say things in the wrong way. And so I've had to work through on that throughout my life. And now I'm in a position where I actually host a podcast where all I do is talk. Mm -hmm. So it's me exercising that 
in having this podcast where I'm exercising, talking a lot in order to get over those fears that I've had. So have you experienced any fears in your life? And have you experienced any anybody else that you've dealt with, you know, that have had these same type of issues where they've been fearful? What are some examples, if so, that you've dealt with that you can talk about when dealing with other clients and dealing with their fears? Yeah. Oh gosh. I think fear comes up every day for, for all of us. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, mm, I'm trying to think of like a specific example of fear. I think one of the the things that stood out to me that we've already talked a lot about a little bit is just when you use your voice, Mm -hmm. when you start setting boundaries or when you start communicating with people just in a different way, it may not even need be like having a deep, you know, boundary setting conversation. Cause sometimes I think we make things into um, bigger deals than they need to be. Um, But even if it's just a conversation that's different, perhaps you're, you're just, um, maybe you're holding back a little bit on purpose for some from someone who does not feel entirely safe. Um, and that's a very valid option. If someone doesn't feel safe and you're like, okay, I'm actually not going to um, overgive in this relationship because I know this is someone that I don't desire to, to give a lot to. Um, and that approach may just throw someone off a little bit. And it can feel really scary. Like, how is this person going to respond if I'm choosing to show up a little bit differently? Um, and I think those fears are just so important to, to honor and to validate because they're there for a reason. They served us at one time to let us know that something was not safe. And when we're choosing to move through the fear and to take an action, that's a beautiful thing. And it's real. Like when we're, it's, I think of what's coming to mind for me is like the, I've seen people model this as like a circle. So we've got a circle that's kind of our our bubble of safety that we're comfortable with. And oftentimes the things that we most want are right outside that circle. And it can be so scary to just step slightly outside that circle. But once we do that, then our circle expands and it actually feels more easy. It's like more comfortable. Like, oh, okay, that wasn't as bad as I thought. I'm still alive. Mm-hmm. I'm still here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then the next thing that we want or the next beautiful thing that we desire for our future, it's outside of our bubble again, kind of like starting a podcast, you know, at one time that probably seemed impossible. Mm-hmm. And now you're like, I got this. Mm-hmm. I do this all the time <laughs> <laughs> exactly. and it feels easier. Yeah. It's just like, it's like getting on a bike. It's so scary. And when we first honor that and say, this is a new thing for me, this is a big deal. I am choosing to step outside of my comfort zone and create a new future for myself that is bigger and better and more beautiful. That's pretty badass. Like, I, I just want to like honor that in myself and honor that that fear at one time served me. And now I'm going to break through it. And then we do that and we exercise that. And then it, it just makes our life a little bit more expanded. Um, yeah. Does that answer your question? I don't like to give like specific client examples or anything like that, but I feel like for me, that's really what I've learned and what I've seen for people is just, we just have this opportunity when we experience fear to notice where it's coming from, to notice if it's safe or not, to notice we want to break through that. Um, there's lots of choices, but ultimately when we choose to step through that, uh, most of the time we get to experience a more expanded future for ourselves. And I think that's really beautiful. 
No, yeah, absolutely. What you said was great, but I also like to hear some of the client examples. I know that there's kind of, you know, the whole thing where you're not being able to tell everybody, you know, what everybody's doing when they're working with you. But, you know, I like to hear them because there's so many other people that could be experiencing those same issues. And by you kind of giving those examples, it leads them to be able to figure out how they can work on themselves to realize that they're not alone in whatever struggle that they're experiencing in their life. But, Mm, you know, overall, that's yeah but overall, yeah it's just great okay cool yeah I can share like the thing is I just don't like to share share client um because they're it's confidential as much yeah. as, as possible um I can share some kind of just generalized examples of yeah. fear um and specifically from clients who have approved like external testimonials um one of my clients this past spring she decided um it was really really interesting because she had decided and almost kind of prepared to leave her job even amidst COVID because she recognized it was not the environment she wanted to be in anymore. Mm-hmm. And it was so beautiful because even when she made that choice, she was, you know, ready to expand. Mm-hmm. Um, she, her job actually got cut. So, yeah. but she had already, because she had already been doing that inner work, she was already prepared and she started her own business. And it was just really beautiful to kind of witness that and witness that expansion for her, even though it was scary. Um, she really stepped into it really beautifully. Um, trying to think of some other specific examples from COVID. A lot of my clients just during COVID, it's, it's been an ongoing roller coaster ride of fear of uncertainty and navigating that um so in a in a generalized sense a lot of it has just been coming back to self and coming back to that inner groundedness and inner stability even when you know the election feels crazy even when covid feels crazy when family members when there's tension at home like how to come back to that inner stability and that's been a huge thing for a lot of my clients this year it's there have been a lot of big goals that people have been working towards mm-hmm. and there were a lot of goals that actually needed to slow down mm-hmm. so that they could just come back to themselves and say like, I am enough. Mm-hmm. I'm good enough right here and right now. And I'm safe with myself kind of coming back to that. Like I'm safe with myself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. In a world that's chaotic, mm-hmm. like what we're in right now, yeah. that's so big to be cultivating. Um, and that's, that's definitely the biggest theme for my clients that I've noticed this year. Um, mm-hmm. on top of that though, like I'd mentioned, there were also a lot of clients that worked towards some incredible goals that, um, it was an honor to witness just even things like being able to show up and juggle, juggle work when it's shifted. Um, one of my clients is a, she was a teacher and learning to juggle that because teachers got a lot dealt to them this year. It was a crazy, it still is. And learning to juggle that and still be able to make space for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was a really beautiful goal and a beautiful, um, unfolding that I was able to, to witness and be a part of as well. Um, yeah. Does that answer some of that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's perfect. So, okay. When someone decides that, you know, there's things that they struggle with in their life and they want to seek out you and your expertise as a life coach, what are the steps that you take in order to kind of help them in their situation? Hmm. Yeah. So, 
When I have a client first come to me, one of the very first things that we do is we do set goals together. I like to have um, something that we're moving towards. So when, when someone comes to me, we talk about what feels sticky, what in life just doesn't feel good right now, and what do you want to change? If in six months to a year, if like if you were in just a different place in six months to a year, what would that be? Where do you want to be in six months to a year? And then we set goals to help you get there. Um, and then really our time together is just coming back to those goals and noticing this feels sticky right now as I'm trying to move towards this goal. This is an action step that I need to take. There's a block here, like a mindset block. Okay, like let's work through that. And that's where those powerful questions and the other um, tools and worksheets and all of those good things that, um, that I've learned as a coach come into play. So that way we can move through those mindset blocks. We can move through those fears. We can move through just the, the sticky things that life can throw at us when we're working towards our goals. And we can move through that together instead of having to do that alone. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really just kind of a simple overview of a process with, with coaching is um, setting goals, setting intentions for our time together and working towards those and whatever comes up along the way together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's definitely very true. So you also host your own podcast called the Reclamation mm-hmm. Podcast. So tell me a little bit about the show and when people can tune in to listen. Yeah, definitely. So the Reclamation podcast is really just a space to hear other reclamation stories, to hear from other people that are on their reclamation journey. Um, I try to provide it Every, every um, guest also provides just kind of some tips to help move forward on your own journey. So that's also just a really great place to start if you're thinking about your own spaces in your life that you want to reclaim. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just discuss, you know, how can we take back our power? How can we stop letting life just happen to us um, and actually have a a participatory part in this wild journey that we're on? Um, So yeah, that's a little bit about the podcast. And I release one every month in the coming months. I'm, I'm hoping to have a couple of bonus episodes. I've had a number of beautiful people reach out to be on the podcast. And so I'm hoping to release some bonus episodes as well. Um, but I primarily release them on the first of the month. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can find it at the reclamationpodcast.com. So do you also host any seminars? I know COVID and everything is going on, but before that, were you hosting any seminars or do you have any classes that you do? Yes, currently I have How to Reclaim Your Confidence. I'm going to be teaching that later on this month. And then um, I will be releasing, I'm working on a few with some external places and they're all virtual, but um, I'll be releasing more information on that as a, I'm choosing dates and all that good stuff, but you can always find those updated things on my website um, as well. So. All right. And what's the name of the, what's the website where everybody can visit? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So megscolleen.com, M-E-G-S-C-O-L-L-E-E-N.com. Yeah, and that's where you can um, access my free meditation and journal guide as well. And um, you can also get the link to the podcast there too. Perfect. And can they follow you on any social media sites? Are you on Instagram, Facebook? Where can they, where can the guests go ahead and follow you? 
Totally. So it's just Meg's Colleen kind of across the board. So again, M-E-G-S-C-O-L-L-E-E-N. So on Instagram, it's just at Meg's Colleen. Um, I'm on Twitter and Facebook as well. I spend most of my time um, when it comes to social media anyways, I'm on Instagram, though I've, I've set myself some mm-hmm. wonderful boundaries there yeah. as well. So, yeah. Yeah, those technological boundaries. <laughs> exactly. Yes, totally. Um, Got to maintain that inner peace. <laughs> absolutely. Well, I want to thank you so much, Megan, for joining me on this week's episode. It has been a pleasure and I enjoy all the insight that you have given me this this time. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It truly has been beautiful. And you asked such great questions. I loved it. So thank thank you you. for having me and thank you everyone for listening. Absolutely. And remember everybody, the answers lie within you. They are stored within your subconscious and it is for you to ultimately do the work to be able to heal whatever it is that you may be experiencing. Like I said, whether it's a traumatic situation, whether it's a toxic friendship, relationship, whatever those issues may be, seek out guidance where you can, but also try to do the inner work for yourselves and make Mm -hmm. sure you also take into account, do not love things that do not love you back. So Mm. with that said, everybody, if you like to follow me on IG as well, you can do so at I am Kyra Mahoney. You can like and subscribe to my YouTube channel or if you like any Vibe Selection merchandise, you can grab that at www.teespring.com slash Vibe Selection or for any bonus or exclusive content, you can get that at www.patreon.com slash Vibe Selection. Once again, I'm your host, Kyra, and thank you all so much for tuning into this week episode. See you guys next week. Bye. Thank you for joining Vibe Selection with Kyra. Come vibe out with us again next time and hear the latest on today's hot topics. Find us on Instagram at I am Kyra Mahoney or donate at www.patreon.com slash Vibe Selection.